We continue our series, and we're wrapping up our series, Fired Up, series through the book of Acts. We looked at the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives, and living the kind of lives that the early Christians did, which was empowered and fulfilled and fruitful. And we are in Acts chapter 28, verses 11 through 31, which is the end of the book of Acts. We've been asking ourselves along the way three important questions. What is our level of passion? What are the gifts and talents that we have to share? And what is our level of resilience as we face challenge and adversity in life, which we all do? And we're looking at those uh, questions as we read the Scripture passage this morning and every morning. Paul is on the island of Malta where they've been shipwrecked. They've been there for three months, and so we pick up the reading there. Three months later, we set sail on a ship that had wintered at the island, an Alexandrian ship with the twin brothers at its figurehead. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there for three days. Then we weighed anchor and came to Regium. After one day, there was a south wind that sprang up, and on the second day, we came to Petuli. There we found believers and were invited to stay with them for seven days, and so we came to Rome. The believers from there, when they heard of us, came as far as the form of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. Then we came to Rome. Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier who was guarding him. Three days later, he was called the local leaders of the Jews. When they assembled, he said to them, Brothers, I had done nothing against our people or our customs of our ancestors, and yet I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. When they had examined me, the Romans wanted to release me because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But when the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal, appeal to the emperor, even though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you since it is for the sake of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. They replied, we've received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken anything evil about you. But we would like to hear from you what you think. For with regard to the sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. After they had set a day to meet with him, they came to him at his lodging in a great number. From morning until evening, Paul explained the matter to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced of what he said, while others refused to believe. So they disagreed with each other, and as they were leaving, Paul made one further comment. The Holy Spirit has right, saying to our ancestors through the prophet Isaiah, Go to this people and say, You will indeed listen, but never understand, and you will indeed look, but not perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes, so that they might not look with their eyes or listen with their ears, and understand with their heart in turn, and I would heal them. Let it be known to you, then, that this salvation of God has been sent to Gentiles. They will listen. Paul lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. May the Lord bless His Word to our hearts and minds this morning. Well, this morning we finished this series with Finish Strong. Finish Strong. I love the story of Branch Rickey, who was a great figure in the early history of baseball. And I'm not sure if you've heard the story of him, but it was part of the feature in the movie 42. But Branch Rickey was the manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers back when the Dodgers were in Brooklyn. And he'd had a lot of uh, innovations in the sport of baseball. One of them was the, the uh, batter's helmet and the batter's cage. He also used statistics. And he was the first to use spring training, spring training camp. And all those have been incorporated into baseball 
But his greatest contribution was that he hired or, or sought out and recruited Jackie Robinson and broke the color barrier in Major League Baseball. And he said it, he did it because he believed in his heart. He's a person of great faith. He had a, a long career, not just with the Dodgers, but later with the St. Louis Cardinals. And he was up in years. He was 82 years old, and there was a sports banquet in St. Louis that was honoring him. And at the sort of the end of that banquet, a, a young sports writer came up to Branch Rickey and said, Sir, you've got such a distinguished career, and you've done many things. What is the greatest thrill of your life? And Branch Rickey looked at him and said, the greatest thrill of my life, son, hasn't happened yet. Wow, what an attitude on life. And so um, how are you at finishing strong? And I want us to look at this morning this story of the Apostle Paul. And have you noticed that on Saturday some sports teams, they play three quarters and don't play the fourth? I don't care whether it's the college football or Sunday, the NFL, uh, they play three, and then if they give up in the fourth quarter, what happens? And I think sometimes we, in faith and life, do the very same thing, but not the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul finished strong, and I think that's a great example for us in faith and life. And so we've been on this journey through the book of Acts, which has been fantastic. People loved it. And we talked about opening the windows and doors of our hearts and life to allow the Holy Spirit in to empower us. And as we've looked at the early church, and this second half has been about the Apostle Paul and God using him, is his life was completely turned around. He was against the church doing everything else, and then uh, God knocked him off his horse literally and appeared to him, and his life had an about face. And it changed dramatically. He's been on three missionary journeys after a little pilgrimage in a, in a desert to rethink God's Word and allow the Holy Spirit to mold his heart and life. And on this latter half of the three missionary journeys, we've been first to Thessalonica. And there, the Apostle Paul and other early Christians were accused of turning the world upside down. And, and I would say that's just such a great example for all of us and a challenge that we turn our world upside down both in our passion and our enthusiasm, but also as we look around and the cultures and values often in the, in the world around us are not the same as what God would have us to do. So to be able to turn the world upside down. And then we looked from there, we went to Athens and Paul was in the Areopagus. And in the Areopagus, Paul challenged the philosophies of the day and engaged them. And I said, in our own lives, we can do that. We don't need to rely on church speak, but to be real about our faith and authentic and to engage the, the philosophies of the day. From there, Paul went to Corinth and doubled down on the resurrection, said this is a linchpin to our faith. And from there, he went to Ephesus where the people hadn't heard about the Holy Spirit. So Paul encouraged them to know and be empowered and have their own upper room experience and reminded people that the Holy Spirit is there to encourage and to empower and to enlighten. And the same thing is true in our lives. We need to open our hearts and lives to the power of the Holy Spirit, to allow the Holy Spirit to encourage us, to enlighten us, and to empower us for, for daily living. And for there, Paul went on to Troas, and a young man, as Paul preached past midnight, a young man fell asleep and fell out the window, and uh, the presumed dead, and Paul went down to pray for him, and he was risen to new life, given a second chance. And I said, in our own lives, God often gives us a second chance, right? It may not be exactly like that, but we can either fall out or jump in. In our own lives, we need to jump in and be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And along the way, we've been asking these three questions. What is our level of passion? What are the gifts that we have to share? And what is our level of resilience as we face challenge and adversity in life? And we see that over and over again as great examples in the book of Acts. 
And there from there, Paul was on his way to Jerusalem, and a prophet by the name of Agabus came to Paul, and in a very demonstrative way, he took the Apostle Paul's belt, and he bound his hands and his feet, and he said, so shall be the owner of this belt if they go to Jerusalem. And Paul faced him and said, listen, I'm not only willing to be bound by chains for what I believe, but I'm willing to die and give my life for what I believe. And I just think that's such a great example of the passion and the willingness to face challenge and adversity in life. And God empowered Paul to do that. Paul went to Jerusalem. They're again turning the world upside down. A riot was started because of what they said Paul had said. We didn't really say that, but Paul was willing to stand firm in his faith. He had to be rescued by the Roman guard, thrown in prison for his own protection, and then there was a plot to kill him. And so a detachment of Roman soldiers rescued him in the middle of the night along with the Roman cavalry, took him halfway to Caesarea, and then the cavalry took him the rest of the way. The detachment turned back. But Paul went to Caesarea, and in there he was immediately thrown in prison, which was like a, a well, a dungeon. And we see this. I had a chance to see it personally just uh, last month. And it was amazing to see. And then Paul, uh, giving his testimony, impressed Felix at that time, but was allowed to be under house arrest in the king's palace, engaged the leaders of the day as they came from Rome. So first it was Felix, and then it was Festus, and then it was King Agrippa. And along the way, Paul engaged them, and they liked to listen to Paul because Paul was very learned. He was also could engage all the philosophies of the day. And I said in our own lives, we need to be able to share our faith and be willing to do that to engage people of the day. But they were informed, but they weren't transformed. They were informed by God's Word, but their lives weren't transformed. And I said in our own lives, we are challenged not to just be informed, but to allow God's Word and God's Spirit to transform our hearts and our lives well, Paul was there for a couple of years, and then they put him on a boat bound for Rome. And on the way, they met some adverse winds and waves, and they spent a little time in a little town by the name of Fairhaven, and they're behind schedule. Paul was whispered to by the Holy Spirit to warn the captain to not set sail, but the captain didn't pay attention to him. And so they sailed and were hit almost immediately by tremendous winds and waves, a nor'easter with a tremendous force for more than 14 days. It was so bad that the, the sky was dark and they didn't see the sun or the moon or the stars for, for days on end. And Paul finally went to him and said, I have a word from the Lord. You should have listened to me the first time, right? Sometimes we don't listen to the whispers of the Holy Spirit. But Paul said, listen, good news and bad news. The good news is not a single life will be lost of the 276 as long as you don't abandon ship. But the ship will be lost in the end. It will be crashed. It will be shipwrecked on an island. And, uh, and they listened to Paul for the most part that time, and they didn't abandon ship. And I said in our own lives, that's a good image because sometimes in the storm, the ship is often an image of the church. We're tempted to abandon the ship of faith. The, ship of the church. But we need to not abandon the ship of our faith and the church in the storms of life. And so, uh, just before they crashed into the island, Paul admonished them again to know that they could swim to shore. Uh, they kept the lifeboats. They cut them loose because there was a temptation to take those. But Paul said, your lives will be lost. And as they went into the island of Malta in the early morning hours, uh, the ship the stern of it hit those rocks. You can see what the island of Malta looks like there. Rough, jagged coast. You don't really want to see that. Uh, but uh, the, the bow of the ship ground into the reefs, and then the waves just pulverized the back, the stern of the ship by pounding it up and down. And uh, they encouraged them to all swim to shore or to grab pieces of the boat. It was breaking apart. And all 276 made it to the island of Malta. And God did 
indeed see them through the storm of life. And we all face some storms. And I encourage us to remember that God has never promised us that storms won't meet us along the way of life. There are winds, there are ways, but God has always promised that He would be there with us. When they arrived on the island of Malta, these islanders had a moment which is, I quote, unusual kindness. And they helped the people ashore, 276 of them, and they began to build a fire and to share food with them. And I said, you know, in that moment, it's really a beautiful picture of what hospitality is to look like. And in our own lives, I think Luke would remind us that we want to show hospitality to those different from ourselves, be they from other uh, parts of the country, other religions even, people of other nationalities, faith, nations, places, that we're to extend hospitality. And in that moment, sometimes lives can be changed and transformed, but they're always ministered to. And so these islanders use it as a ministry moment and show us what unusual kindness looks like. But for the Apostle Paul also, it was a ministry moment as well of unusual kindness. And the Apostle Paul can you imagine being on a, a ship for 14 days, being pounded by the surf, the winds and waves, all the anxiety, stress, hardly had a meal, had to swim ashore, and the peace moment. And friends, I know that for all of us, the storms come, and it may be the loss of a loved one, it may be financial difficulties, it may be an illness in life, it may be relationship storms. We all face some storms in life. And God has never promised that we wouldn't face storm, but God has always promised that God would be there with us. And I want to encourage you, if you're going through a storm right now, know that, that God is there. And God can even take the, the negative, difficult things in life and turn them into good. We said that, you know, Paul later would write, all things work together for the good of those that love God have been called according to His purpose. It doesn't mean that everything is good. There are some difficult things that happen in life some tragedy, some adversity, but God can use that and bring good from it. And for the Apostle Paul, in this shipwreck, in this storm, he brought Paul to the island of Malta. There's more than 10 churches on that small island today, beautiful churches. There's a statue of the Apostle Paul. But more than anything, the good news that Paul shared lived on. And I think in our own shipwrecks and storms of life, God can do that as we share the good news. And then, of course, Paul was shipwrecked, and he was snake-bitten, and we feel like maybe we're snake-bitten in life. But Paul used it all as ministry moments, and I think we should be encouraged to do that. Three months later, Paul finally set sail for Rome, and that's been Paul's dream all along the way. Twofold dream. One was to share the good news to others outside of the, the small perimeter of Jerusalem and even Israel, but to all the Gentiles, all the people who weren't uh, from the Hebrew background, including the Hebrews first. And so Paul goes to Rome, and when he is in Rome, he's put in prison. Now, we know exactly where Paul was. Paul was in that prison in the upper right-hand corner called Mamertine Prison. Mamertine Prison is in Rome to this day. There's a church right next door that they've uh, celebrated Paul's presence there. And I think for all of us, maybe, you've done three missionary journeys. You kind of made the, the trip to Rome, a missionary journey in and of itself, right? You finally get to Rome, and Paul wants to go to Rome. And the reason he wants to go to Rome is he believes that he has the privilege of sharing his faith before Caesar, but he also knows that he may give his life because of his faith. And so Paul is in prison waiting to see Caesar, and he doesn't put his life on pause. You know, this is the, this is the final quarter, if you will, of his life. He doesn't put his life on pause. What does he do? We know what he does. First thing he does is he invites his fellow Jewish Hebrew friends in, 
gives him a, a presentation, gives him a Q&A opportunity, dialogues with him about his faith. Then Christians from all over come and visit Paul. And then Paul begins to write letters, right? In fact, we probably think that if Paul was never put in prison, he's really type A driven personality, right? He probably never would have written these letters. We know that Paul was in prison earlier in life, wrote some of those letters, but we know exactly the ones that Paul wrote, or a lot of them. And one of those was written, was read from this morning, which is the book of Philippians. And you would think the Apostle Paul being in prison again, once again, in Rome, tired out from uh, the shipwrecks and storms and all of life, that he wouldn't write a letter of encouragement. But the book of Philippians is known in all of theology as the treatise of joy, the letter of joy. So he writes the book of Philippians. It's the theme of being um, joyfully being united in the Lord. And he says exactly what his opinion of, is of this, which Carolyn read earlier. I want to read it to you again. He says this, I want you to know, beloved, that what has happened to me has actually helped to spread the gospel. So it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers and sisters, having been made confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, dare to speak the word with greater boldness and without fear. Well, Paul is saying, you know what? People see that I'm overcoming challenge and adversity with some resilience, with some passion, using my gifts and talents, and other people are encouraged because they're facing challenge and adversity too. They've been through some storms in life. They've been shipwrecked along the way, occasionally snake-bitten, and they're being encouraged. And I wonder today, maybe we can take encouragement from this letter of the Apostle Paul, this moment, this chapter, this final quarter of the Apostle Paul's life, and be encouraged that wherever we are in life, even if we feel that we're storm or shipwrecked or snake-bitten, that God can use that moment to encourage others and continue to use our life with everything that we have as we play the final quarter and finish strong. So Paul is sharing the good news. He's writing letters, and he's encouraging others. And he goes on in that same letter in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. And he's taking a moment sort of humility, of humility and sharing with his, his brothers and sisters in the faith who are some distance away as he writes this letter of encouragement uh, to realize that he feels like he still has a ways to go, but he's giving it everything he's got. And he says this, not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Sisters and brothers, I do not consider yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. Wow. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal that God has put before me. Are you pressing on with whatever quarter you are in life? You know, you might be in the first quarter or second quarter, maybe half time, might be the third quarter. Some of us are in the fourth quarter. Okay. Wherever you are, are you leaving behind what needs to be left behind and straining towards the goal that is ahead, right? Where are you in life? You know, when you're driving a car, you do occasionally look behind you, right? But it, it's, it's what? It's a small rearview mirror, right, <laughs> that you can learn from. You can take assessments of the past, but where are you focused if you're driving well? What's ahead of you, right, or in that front quarter, right? And Paul's saying, let go of, of the negativity of the past, maybe, the things that you've not done as well as you like, or celebrate those things, but press forward to what God has ahead. Be attentive to what God is doing right now. 
in your life because God is doing amazing things in your life. So Paul is sharing his life with those in the local community. Paul is writing to churches that are far away, along the way. Paul has shared with the Romans that great passage that we claim as a promise also, Romans 8, 28. All things work together for the good of those who love God who have been called according to his purpose. Not all things are good, but God can bring good from all things. Whatever you've been through, believe that God can bring good from that. But then Paul is also mentoring young Timothy. And Paul is taking Timothy under his arm, under his wing as sort of a, a father figure, as a mentor. Uh, and, and Paul also, young uh, Mark, uh, John Mark, who earlier sort of had a hard time on the first missionary journey, Paul has even called him to come and visit because he wants to give him a word of encouragement, tell him that he's done good. Because in fact, he broke the gospel of Mark along the way, right? God gives us all second chances, and Paul was a little impatient with him. But the young man that that Paul had personally mentored, Timothy, who has become uh, a disciple of the Lord, who's become a young pastor. He's also spent time with Paul in prison along with Luke. Everywhere you see we in the, in the book of Acts, you know that Luke is an eyewitness, is present with Paul. And uh, Paul has had Timothy visit him, and now Timothy is a young pastor uh, in uh, Asia there. And Paul writes to him and tries to mentor him in what we believe is Paul's final letter, which is the book of 2 Timothy. And this is such, a, it's such a, a great book, but Paul writes to young Timothy with words of encouragement as well as a personal testimony of his own life. And I'd like to read some of the last words we know that the Apostle Paul wrote. He said this, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, for the time of my departure has come. I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will award for me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Boy, I hope we can all say that on the final day of our life. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I stood for the faith. The Apostle Paul has not flagged in his zeal at all in the fourth quarter of life. He's, he's finished strong. He's pouring his life now into Timothy. Uh, you're, it's been said that you're not a success without a successor, but all of us have a chance to mentor our kids and our grandkids. There's other people in life who have a chance to mentor, and so it was with the Apostle Paul. I don't know where you are in your chapter of life, but pause for a moment and just ask yourself, what is my level of passion? You know, as we face challenge and adversity, sometimes in life it just drains us, but do we need to reinvigorate? Do we need to rekindle the fire or the passion of our faith and life? And what are the gifts that I have to share? All of us have gifts, and sometimes as we get older, those gifts change. For the Apostle Paul, it was mentoring young Timothy in life and in faith. He knew that he had to pass the torch along to him. And then also, what is our level of resilience as we do face challenge and adversity in life, whatever that is, man, the Apostle Paul is such a great example that, by the way, Peter also stayed in the same prison, Mamertine prison that is pictured up here. Paul was there for more than two years ministering, and uh, Paul would go on to testify before Caesar, and Paul would become one of the martyrs of the Christian faith because it believed it was that important for him to stand for his faith. What a great example for faith and for life. Paul gives us that example. He's telling Timothy, listen, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. 
I've stayed true to the faith. We need to say that too. When Paul uses that imagery, I think one of the things he's thinking of in closing is the imagery of the marathons in early Greek history. And that's where we get, of course, the Olympics. But also, it's good to remember that when you won the marathon in the first Olympics, it wasn't the first person to cross the finish line who won the race. They all ran with torches that were lit. And in order to win the race, you had to cross the finish line with your torch still lit. And so I think the Apostle Paul is using that imagery as maybe the imagery of our faith, a torch that is lit and burning strong, to not just cross the finish line, but to cross the finish line with our torch still lit. So friends, wherever you are today, God can give you a second chance. God can reignite the fire. God can fire you up with the Holy Spirit. God can bring a new level of passion. God can reignite the gifts and talents you have. God can help you through the power of the Holy Spirit to have a level of resilience that you can overcome challenge and adversity. And I challenge us all to finish strong, to play the fourth quarter just like the Apostle Paul through the power of the Holy Spirit because I know that we can make a difference in our world and turn our world upside down even as the Apostle Paul did if through the love of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit we finish strong. May we all do so. And all God's people said, amen.